Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Hello, Creative Giants. I am so happy to have Mike Ambassador Bruni on the show with me today. Mike believes that we are all ambassadors. We all stand for something. He's on a mission to help individuals discover and live their something, whatever something that might be. His latest project, Brand Inside a Brand, focuses on personal branding for the working professional. He shows them how to stand out by looking within first. In the words of Sean Carter, no compass comes with this life, just eyes. So to map it out, you must look inside. Sure books can guide you, but your heart defines you. Mike Ambassador Bruni most recently worked for Intel, helping them to create their Employee Brand Ambassador Program. He is the author of Move the Crowd, 30 Days of Hip-Hop Affirmations to Change Your Life. We'll talk more about that. And he is a speaker, a certified life coach, and an alum of the Boston-based Leaders of Color Development Program, The Partnership, Inc. You can find his content in places like Forbes.com, Social Media Examiner, and BlackEnterprise.com. When he isn't working... He can be found designing bow ties made from clothing he owned or hanging out with his infant son, Little Emerson. Mike, I'm so excited to have you on the show today and, pr- and proud of the work that you do. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Chad. All right. This is going to be an interesting one because, as with all, all episodes, we have no idea where this one's going to go. Um, but let's start with the beginning because it's always a great place, right? So don't go back to the time when you were born. We've already talked about that in, in somewhere else, right? <laughs> but let's start with your journey from Intel to entrepreneur and what that looked like for you. That's an interesting one because it's almost like it's not a beginning. Uh, it's, it, it, it's intertwined. So I've always been a side hustler from the day I started working at Intel is pretty much the day I started becoming a professional speaker. Uh, It's when I got trained. So they kind of live together. Uh, Intel, my role as operations manager was one of those things that wasn't what I was born to do, but it was something I was doing uh, in order to help race and make some dough. And over time, I was able to find some unique opportunities of instead of being angry where I am, is to find out how I can bring more of myself to where I am. And this is where the whole brand inside a brand thing um, sparked from. You know, I had a number of different things I was doing. I became a certified life coach, um, worked with all kinds of people, networking, et cetera, et cetera. But this thing about how can people make change right where they are? You know, I have a philosophy that I talk about that's run the point, take action from where you are with what you have, because technically that's all you can really do. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the story of, of how I kind of was at Intel, got into brand inside a brand, looking at how other people are um, looking at other people like uh, um, just different people at different brands and seeing how they were showing up and had their own brands at the same time. Uh, Katerina Walter was one of those people. She was at Intel at the time and she had her own thing going on. So I was very intrigued and in seeing how can I do that? Then I started I came up with a curriculum and started teaching people how they could do the same. You were creating this curriculum at Intel, helping people be a brand inside a brand. What, when did you know that it was time to break off and do your own thing exclusively? Because you said you were doing a lot of things as a side hustle. You had different projects going, but what was that point? Because, you know, a lot of creative giants get to the point where it's like they, they got a lot of different pots and pots, you know, things in the pot. Right. And then there's always this choice. When do you go? When do you quit? 
Right. See, for me, it was easy. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. It was like October 15th, uh, 2014. Is it 14 now? Maybe even 13. It was 13, bro. It was 13, sorry. <laughs> 13. And I was in New York City. I was at PivotCon. And I just looked around. I got a phone call and said, sorry, Mike, we're letting you go. <laughs> There's no better way of I'm taking a leap than that. Uh, the, the the place I was working, you know, Seth Godin talks about the, the factory. I literally worked in a factory. And the factory was shutting down, just like Seth talks about. Uh, it's shutting down March of 2015, but I was part of an early round layoff. So that kind of started the, what, what you're going to do now, um, you know, what you're going to do now, Mike. <laughs> Nothing like necessity to get you actually going on something. Yes. <laughs> All right, so... Let's talk about it a little bit because there's, it's easy, one might think, when you're out there on your own to build your own personal brand, right? But a lot of the work that you do is actually with people that are inside another brand. So talk to us a little bit about what, what, what that one, what that looks like, and two, what are the challenges of creating a, a brand and a brand inside a brand? Well, what it looks like with the folks I've worked with, it's really one-on-one -on -one coaching. There was a time when I started, there's a movement for um, that's known as employee advocacy, where companies are looking to leverage their employees as a mouthpiece mm -hmm. uh, for them. And that's where I started. Uh, but what I found, it was difficult to get inside of some of those brands, just to connect with the people I really wanted to connect with. So um, I, I pivoted and I started working with some individuals. Uh, and basically, some of the challenges you can run into is that the company doesn't want you to be your own brand. They look at it more as a threat instead of uh, you're enhancing an asset. And the fact that that asset get, gets better makes everything better. Let's take the case of the employee ambassador programs or advocacy programs. You're telling an employee, hey, listen, I'm going to teach you how to, and I'm really oversimplifying this, I'm going to teach you how to tweet. So you can go out there and you can share some of our information. It will go out to your audience of one, you know? <laughs> so the whole thing about building a brand is, is giving them a platform, allowing them to leverage your name so when they do send that tweet out, it has more legs because they've done the work. So that, that's, that's, um, th that's where that was. So that we have an idea of, of what type of person we're talking about. Can you give us some different names of people who you think represent like a good um, brand inside the brand? Um. Okay, names that people would know. Yeah, uh, Justin Levy from uh, I think he's at Citrix. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those people. Um, what is this gentleman's name? Well, I mentioned I mentioned uh, Ekaterina uh, Walter when she was at Intel. Um, Scott Monty, he was at Ford. Mm -hmm. So it's these people where sometimes you don't even know they work for a company yeah. because their brand is so strong. So those are. Those are the type of people. And then that would lead you in your own industry to say, oh, I know that person. I know that guy or gal who, who you know, I almost questioned. I didn't even know they worked for a company because they're so independent, it feels like. Yeah, three other examples here. Matt Cutts from Google. Um, right. Back in the day, Robert Schofield from Microsoft. And then yeah. way, way back in the day, Guy Kawasaki for Apple. Right, be, so those advocates, yeah. Yeah, those, those types of advocates, too. Just give you an idea of the type of thing that we're talking about here. Um, so, you know, there'll be a lot of different lessons here. So what's the, what's the advantage from the employee's perspective of, being, of really championing this type of evangelism? The advantage is that 
the, labor, the Department of Labor says that every five years you're probably going to change a job or, or, or change a role. When you do that, there's only so much that you can take with you. Your brand and what I'm defining and the, the elements inside a brand and the things that I'm teaching people is to build your network, is to get really clear on what you're about, is to learn how to read your environment, assess your environment, know who the people that you need to, to kind of connect with, know how to build relationships outside of your company, um, and learn how to be more entrepreneurial, not to be con confused with becoming an entrepreneur. And that is what's valuable to an employee. If things shift, if things shift underneath your feet, you know people that you can talk to. You started building skills that you can leverage somewhere else, transferable skills. And not even just shift, you want to move up. When you're sitting, here's the vision, you're sitting in a meeting and they go, you know, we're really trying to solve this problem. And all the people in that meeting are having the same kind of perspective on how to solve it. Then you come in and you say, oh, you know what? I was at Startup Weekend and... You know, I met so-and-so from this place, and let me give them a call and see if there's something we can do. Okay, that's outside the walls. But even if you work in marketing, there may be a dude in sales that you just don't talk to. The whole thing about the, the silos is real. But when you become this kind of advocate that's like, hey, let me check with this person. Let me connect with this person. Let me create a community that goes across those boards. It totally changes the way you sit in a meeting. Uh, for me, it happened It happened for me when I was sitting in meetings and they would go, oh, yeah, this is the way we're going to do something. And I go, okay, cool. I just get on my computer. I type a note to my group that is global intel. And they come back and they tell me, you know, I I'll tell you how to do this, son. Here's how they do it. And that just allowed that just allowed for a totally different way of us doing business. Great. So that's from the employee side. Talk to us mm -hmm. about from the employer side. Well, employer is getting all get diversity of, of the way you solve things, connections outside, the way the way your brand and your company is is perceived, that you have someone like that who works for you, you know, someone else might want to come and work for you as well. Um, it shows a, a level of confidence to allow someone to do that. It shows a little bit of being progressive to say, I'm playing in the social media space, although we try and act like social media is 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 um, matured, let me tell you something, there's some people who are shaking in their boots about social media, still about how do you really use social media. And to support that just shows that your company is a little bit different. Um, it's it's uh, funny to say cutting edge at this point with social media, but you're a player, you're a player and, and you have those type of people in your company. Good. You mentioned something from the Department of Labor um, earlier, and it's something that you and I have talked about when it comes to Project World, right? Yes. And so to pull everybody else, I wrote a post about this a while ago called Welcome to Project World. The basic idea is this, right? Our lives are now chopped up into these three or five-year projects, as it were, right? You're, the idea that you're going to go work for an employer and stay there for the, the length of your working career, that that's obsolete. It happens for some people, but... More likely than not, you're going to be working on these projects. You'll move on. You'll move on. You'll move on. And so, you know, the thing about, and, and I'm extrapolating a little bit here, the thing about the brand inside your brand, and I think this is what challenges some of the employers, is that employee becomes one of those people that can move throughout all these shifts, and they're not necessarily locked in because, you know, if they hit the free market, they're going to get scooped up really quickly, Right. Um, and so what's the best way that we can balance this sort of necessity for us all to really to have this movable brand to go with us? Because 
we got to finish something, that's a project, you got to move on to the next thing from the employee's perspective. From the employer's perspective, you want those people to stay with your team. So what's the best way do you think to balance those different interests there? I think it's looking at you want them to stay with your company. Hopefully that's the, you know, you hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you have an employer, a manager that has that kind of view. I spent eight years working as a manager and I never, I, I never felt attached in terms of I, this person must stay here because they have this skill. I had some skillful people, but I understood that if I'm doing my job right, I should be taking you towards where you want to go. We're going to train someone else to do what you, you what you did. It may take some time, but th that's what you kind of hope is what's going on, is that they're looking at it in a bigger picture. The other thing, uh, you know, I, I was at the um, Employee Advocacy Summit in September, and, and I was on a panel, and we are talking about this. This is about, like, taking care of your people. The, the whole thing, like, I'm scared that they're leaving, I found more that people want to, to feel like they belong to something. So this 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 fear of like, oh, I'm gonna educate them and they're gonna break out, which I've I've heard some funny things about this where it goes, you said uh, you know, as a CEO and a CFO and one goes, Hey, you know, if we if we train these people with this, we arm them with this education, they're gonna leave. And the other one looks it looks and says, Yeah, or what happens if we don't train them and they stay? Yep. You know? So 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 it's 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 that bit there. But just just taking care of your people, man. Starting off by taking care of your people. That should be the the point that, that everything that everything jumps from. You know? So Yeah. Well, and here's why I wanted to take a lot of time to talk about this idea of a brand inside a brand. Because it's really talking about the brand and project world. Because there's there's different things. You either own your own business or you're a, you know, a executive in a business, you work within a business, you're a manager, you're a worker within that business, um, or you're going to school to, to do these types of things. Like everybody's got a job in a different way. Like even in their entrepreneurs out there, like, I don't have a job. You've got a job, right? Um, and it's really all about this type of thing. And so it's a question of personal brands and, and how one is perceived in the marketplace and the, and the way that value, the way that you bring value is relevant to all of us just in different ways. And mm -hmm. so if you're all like, Oh, I'm not an employee. I don't need to listen. Maybe you want to listen if you're, you know, and that's, that's why I'm hitting all these different polls here. Um, let me pull something up, Charlie, that I've, that I've noticed because I'm an observer, right? Uh, a scientist even. And there's this other piece to brand inside a brand. And that's an entrepreneur who's looking to pivot. Who's looking to pivot, but they, they feel like they can't because I am known as this. So that's a question that I just love, or a discussion I love having with them is like, you know, what is it that you want to do that you feel your brand doesn't allow you to do? So there's this whole other thing going on there with brand inside a brand and, and where, people, where, where people are and how they can tra transition out of that. Yeah. You know, really at a core, and I've, I've talked to Mike about this, you know, in different ways, is what we're talking about is finding a job where you can show up and be the best of yourself. And people, you do the things that you're interested in, the things that you're interested in legitimately generate value. So we're not just on the passion kick here. We're like, you do what you want and the world will figure out, eh, that, mm, you know, that, that can be problematic, right? Um, but there's this really balance of like you being the best you, being known for that. And also generating that value. Talk to us a little bit about the tensions that, that I've seen it come up in different in different places, but the tension between people actually being known about what they do, like being out there on the pedestal or in the shot in the spotlight. 
let me make sure I understand the question. You, you're you're asking um, what's the 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 challenges that come with that, or something else? Yeah, let's go that way. So the challenges with well, I think it, it's right what we were talking about is that you can feel stuck. I am known as the X person, and as a human being, as an artist, you're ready to flow, but there's whether it's real or if it's mental you feel you can't shift you know you 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 can't you can't pivot you can't move on to something else because i am known as this guy the people love me for this so if i go and do you know something else it's an it's an unknown you know so that that's one piece to it let's pivot a little bit to talk about mike the mike the artist himself not so much mike the work but mike the artist Yes. So you wrote a book on hip hop. Um, again, the title of that was "Move the Crowd: Thirty Days of Hip Hop Affirmations to Change Your Life." So let's get this right: hip hop and positive affirmations. Yes. For a lot of people, that doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't need to fit. It can, it can it be whatever you want to. But you know what? I'm, you know where I'm coming from with this. Yeah, like the, the I, image of hip hop is not necessarily one around either motivational stuff. And or, um, and especially the way that you do it, you know, like tying in Jay Z with Emerson and things like that, right? It's not yeah. done to the degree that you do it. So, how does this tie into the work that you do? It's a great question, and it's it's a place of um, it, it probably ties back to that place of like, oh, I can't move and I can't do X, Y, and Z, right? Because it is it's a it's a place of tension for me. It's a it's a it's a big place of tension for me around it's probably what I would want to do most, but there, there's some, some inner work that's like, you can't do that. People like you don't do that. Like there's all that. That's not serious enough. Back when you were doing that, people would hear the word hip hop and think, oh, that'd be great for junior, you know, but my mind is not on junior. My mind is on young professional, maybe someone who's just getting out of, out of college. So there, there's some, there's some stuff there for me, uh, you know, that I'm that I'm working through. You know, I, I could move on and ask another question, but I'm not. What's the tension? What's really the source of the tension here? Like, what? As a person of color myself, right? I know a lot of different issues that we have, especially around professionalism and owning one's culture or not owning that culture. Or just the way that we talk about it. And for instance, um, for people who, who have never experienced this, as a high-achieving person of color, you become a representative of an entire class of people to a degree that you don't necessarily become a representative if you're not a person of color, right? And so right. you end up in a position of leadership whether you wanted to be there or not, right? And so there are just tensions like that that come up. That might not be what you're what you're dealing with, but... Like those tensions, if we just say, yeah, we're tensing. Well, yeah, a lot of people have that, but I think there might be something richer there that'd be, you know, interesting to talk about. I, you know, I, I, you, you may be right. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I'm looking for connections and patterns, different parts of my, different times in my life. And just the other day, I learned about this thing. Um, I think it's called social, is this social change theory? It's basically something that, that spoke about, um, the perspective you have, you know, your perspective limits what you think your choices are. And, you know, when I heard that, I was like, oh, wow, I'm not crazy because I felt like there was only so far I could see. So I couldn't really see where I can take this hip hop thing um, 
and still be an intellectual. Like there's this whole thing about not being perceived as as someone who who does whatever, you know, baggy pants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a dude who rocks a bow tie. Um, so I kind of went through a, a period where where I, I got that understanding that, you know what? It isn't about being one thing. It's about range. It's all me. T-shirts with, with meaning, bow tie, it's all me. So that that has that has allowed things to open up a little bit for me. But someone had to check me on that. And, and, and it was when I was going through my coaching certification. It was like, are you doing everything that's that's opposite of stere- what would be considered stereotypical of a black man? And I had to simmer on that for a second. I had to let that 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 percolate, you know. And then I was like, you know what? That dude is right. That dude is right. Everything from if white person try to give me the homeboy handshake, I'm like, uh-uh, regular handshake, you know, all these type of things that you know uh, other groups may may not have to deal with. And and it's one of those things that can make you feel why why am I thinking about this kind of stuff? But 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 that's that's kind of the the whole tension. There, there's some stuff underneath there that I'm that I'm unpacking, and I'm getting more and more comfortable, um, you know, with with working with it and finding a way to to work with it. Yeah, we could hang out here a lot, um, <laughs> and I'm I'm, I'm going to scoot it along a little bit because people are like, all right, let, let's move on. But yeah, you yeah, know, there's I'm, this thing. What what's special about hip hop though that you think needs to be added to the body of work or the lexicon around personal development or professional development? There's a couple of things. One, I think it's a language of a people, right? I think it's a language of people. And I think I'm a little bit of a, or I can be a contrarian, you know? So when people want to zig, I want to, I want to zag a little bit. You can't see it, but there's a lot of people who can see the beauty in here. And I discovered that for me, it was visceral. I didn't choose the lyrics because it was an intellectual exercise. I'm listening to it and I got goosebumps. Boom, that's a lyric that I need to take out and do something with it. So it almost became one of those things that I could, I can't, I can't not do. One of those things, cannot not do it. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of quotes. It's no different than Emerson because I'm a huge Emerson fan, a Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, fan. And I have his quotes up on my board right next to Jay-Z, right next to Emerson, you know, right next to Eminem. Because there's this separation that I can't see the separation. I can't see it. To me, it's the ultimate mashup. It's we're motivated by different things, but at the core, by different people. But at the core, it's the same thing. The people can't see it behind me, but behind me, I have I have uh, Robert Frost and Jay Z on one painting. You know, Robert Frost, two roads in the wood diverge, and I I chose the one less traveled by, and that that made all the difference. Cool, I get it. There's a there's a decision to be made, and I'm gonna uh, you know I'm, I'm just gonna go the one that people don't go. Entrepreneurs will feel that. On the other ones, like just know I chose my own fate. I drove by the fork in the road and went straight. Same exact thing. That's by Jay Z, Sean Carter. Same exact thing. So boy, would I love to bring people together around that, around around these things that are deeper, the human experience that's deeper than than the words or. Um, not being able to see something because you hear the word Jay-Z, right? Ah, uh, uh, no good, no good, no good. You know, so that's why sometimes I put out Sean, Sean Carter because they'll get people, they'll listen. What so, venue do you want to have this conversation at? I want to have this freaking venue in the largest one possible. You know what I see? That I, 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 I probably express once, but it's easy for me to, what, what would Seth say, uh, not be on the hook or hide, hide out. Because no one really checked me on that. 
No one checked me on it. I was like, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create a book that puts um, Jay-Z lyrics right next to Seth Godin lyrics, quotes. And, and you know, I'm gonna call it the, um, the purple rock because there's the purple cow and then the rock is Jay-Z stuff. And, and the vision of having Jay-Z and Seth Godin on a stage together riffing is, you know, that's, that's mind blowing to me. <laughs> that's mind blowing All right. to have these two people. The reason I ask that is because somebody listening might be able to move us a little bit further along in that. So if you know either Sean Carter or Seth, well, we'll be sending some emails about this. We'll we'll see what we can do to make that happen because it's a big conversation and yeah. you know, I'm not going to yeah. hang out here a whole lot, yep. uh, but it's huge. But there is a conversation. I'm, Mike didn't know that I was going to go personal today because nobody, nobody ever knows that. So let's oh. talk about Little Emerson, not Ralph Waldo, but Little Emerson, your son. Yes. Um, the interesting thing about this is Emerson himself is um, multiracial as well. Yes. Right. And so how do you think that your work along sort of these lines are going to enable a, a future for him in which he might not have to deal with or he might not struggle with some of the things that you and I are struggling with? Um, oh, there's some stuff that I got brewing that I could see direct impacts um, you know, direct impact for him. And that's more preparing on the college and young professional space and, and helping people to, to move past some things that they may not even know they're really dealing with. So just really, uh, I got some stuff that I'm putting together that, that, um, unfortunately I have to use the word I'm validating it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm working, I'm working between this. Is it a business? Is it, is it a business that can sustain us? And, um, you know, or is it a passion project? That, that's the decision point where I'm at now. But I'm really excited about it. I'm trying to curb my enthusiasm. Oh, well, of, that's BS. What, what is it, Mike? Talk to us about it. <laughs> well, what, what I'm working on is a community, right? It's building a community. Right now, the working title, you, you, you know, creative giants are the first ones to hear this. It's called No More Reasonable Doubt. Um, so the, the vision is to have a space where students of color can go. It's on a subscription basis and they'll get my work. You know, I'll create courses for them, create courses for them that they can take. I'll create a weekly one on one. Well, it's not really one on one, but a weekly coaching session where they can ask all the questions they want. I want to create a safe space where people can ask what's quote unquote stupid questions. I want to be very vulnerable and share stories throughout my life so they know they have permission to, to, to go, oh, word, I want to invite people like you, Charlie, on there so then they can get exposure. And it goes back to the whole theory we were talking about. You can only see as far as you know. And I want to change that. I want them to go, well, I'm thinking about being this or thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about running a business. Say, well, I know this dude who, who can hit you with some strategy that'll make your head spin. Let's get him on the show. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's have him hit, hit, hit you guys with some stuff so you see what's possible. Because my, my, um, one of my challenges has been creating from my past and not from my imagination. You know, and, and, and that's something that I want to open up and, and give more people space because I know stuff is going on. I'm having the, the conversations of what's really going on for people, how they're feeling when they're in different situations. I want to put it on the table and use myself as an example of like, yeah, I was in this meeting, this is how I felt. When I met so-and-so, I thought I was a cool cat, but then I found myself searching for approval or um, validation. I want people to know that this is real. 
and it's okay. You can still keep moving and still live. This is natural. So. All right. So taking, you know, coming to a fork in the road and, and taking, you know, the one that went left. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of got the startup dad thing going on with little Emerson and that you're the stay-at-home dad. How is that working for you and how is that working for your work? Working for me, it's there's a little bit of um, different types of discipline that it's given me. And yeah, I'm pretty much up at I – started, I started getting up at 4 a.m. But then I realized because 7 a.m., daddy daycare starts. You know, my wife, my wife works outside the home. So most days, 7 a.m., daddy daycare starts. Sometimes she works later. I'll get more time. But most days, four, four, four out of five days, she's working. Uh, daddy daycare starts at 7 a.m. So I would be up at 4. But what I realized, I wouldn't be at my desk at 430 or things of that nature. So I started getting up 350. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to beat it. I'm trying to beat it so I can get stuff done. I got to write stuff down. I got to choose one or two things that I'm going to get done because mm-hmm. – I'm working mostly when he's napping. Um, there are a couple of things I can do with him. I can jump on calls with him. Um, you know, I can jump. He's been on more Skype calls and more and more Google Hangouts than than any ten month old I know. So, th- those are um, those are some of the things that 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 are kind of coming up for me with with being a a start a startup dad. Um, there are a couple of projects I want to talk about before we start wrapping things up. So let's talk about your charity water project. So. Let people know kind of what you did on that. Because, you know, it was really remarkable in a lot of ways. So so give us the brief on it. What happened? So the brief of the Charity Water uh, event that we put together is I first started off in May, my birthday. I tried because people don't know this backstory, right? I, I, I did one and I didn't make much money. Then I went to I went to Inbound, the conference put on by HubSpot in Boston. Saw the people at Charity Water, uh, Paul Young, and then... Um, so, so the CEO speak as, as well. And I was inspired, you know, and I use that word very carefully. I was inspired. Something outside of me happened. And I was like, yo, I got to do something. I don't know what, but I made a commitment to do something. Got on the phone, started talking to my boy, Joel. And uh, he was like, I got it. We got to do this social media uh, telethon. And I'm like, I know a lot of, a lot of people who are speakers. I'm like, they're not going to sit there and be on a phone. That's not happening. So then we decided to do a uh, 24-hour uh, Google Hangout where every we'd have a speaker on for 30 minutes, 15-minute break, 30 minutes, another speaker. So we had all these speakers who joined in uh, to help us do this and help us raise the money. I ran uh, a Spartan race in a yellow spandex in order to help raise the money. I had friends who, who threw, threw parties in New York City to help us raise the money. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it was this whole thing about 10K on 10-1 that we're going to make it in one day. It took more than one day to get it done. But we had we had about 30 volunteers who were tweeting for us and all that stuff. It was a team of eight people. Um, everyone had a role to play. Uh, I was like the quarterback. Uh, and it was just quite, quite an experience. About a week later, we hit our goal. We had someone who – we had at least two people who donated over $1,000 to us in order to help us hit our $8,000 goal. Uh, excuse me, our $10,000 goal. And we were able to give a whole lot of people clean water, man. And it was, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of. Uh, it, it's, it's the way it came together. The, the, the team that formed, and uh, we didn't know how we were going to do it. And there was a lot of grind, and I learned so much from that process, so much. Give us three really important things that you learned from that. Because a lot of people, here's why I'm asking that. Yeah? A lot of people are like, I got this idea, I want to do something. And I either don't know enough, no one will support me, 
I, you know, there's all these sort of lists of things right. that we come up with. So just give us some quick sort of lessons learned from that, that you, that you would think somebody in that position might, might benefit from here. Build your relationships early. Most of the people who are on this eight person team were local to me in North Grafton, Massachusetts, you know? So we're talking about people who are within a certain radius. So start going to meet up, start meeting people and building relationships and finding the people who are, who are your true fans for lack of better words, but your community. Uh, I think I learned it's a grind. Forget about all the, all the glamor. Everything we did on social media was just to do it on social media. Most of the people, first of all, I knew about over 90% of the people who donated. Every person who donated was because of an email or because of a, of a, um, a Facebook message, private Facebook message. So it was a grind. Uh, that's why I learned. I, learned. I did 10 a day and, oh, one person would do. Okay, so it's 10%. Cool. Doubled it. And then I just kept, kept going. Everything else was like, you have to do it for show. But the real work was the grind. It was the, it was the get in there, connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, the things that you don't read about. You know, you don't really read about that. It's, look, I made a bunch of money, but they don't talk about the, the grind. So, so that's, that's important. Community, uh, the grind is another thing. And then there's just like, just go, just ask. The, some of the speakers that I had on there, um, you know, they were very generous, but it's just because I asked, you know? Yeah. So build your community, embrace the grind mm -hmm. and ask. Ask. Yeah. Um, I, I won't beat too much on it, but like, you know, if it's worth doing, there's going to be some grind level to it. Right. And there's a sexy marketing story about like, oh, it's so easy. And I was, I was on, you know, I was in Hawaii, you know, sipping margaritas, why this crap happened. But that's, that's not the way it works most of the time for most people. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I, and the reason I stay here, right? Because people think that once they hit that grind stage, that they're doing something wrong. Mm. It's like, oh, such and such did it and he didn't have to work. Or such and such did it and she did it in a day. Why is this so hard for me? You know what? The grind is nothing about whether you should be doing it or whether you're doing it wrong. You just might be at that stage in, in your body of work and your career where... You got to grind a bit more than some other people who have built those relationships and have asked and have, you know fed a network. Maybe you're not there yet. Charlie, there's a couple of resources that I want to shout out in this grind space. Mm -hmm. One is uh, Chris Brogan, who talks about love the grind. Um, uh, also, uh, Russell Simmons, his 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 book uh, Do You. He talks about you know you can get the Bentley, but after a while mm. you're gonna get bored of it. Love love the process, love the work. And then a special shout out to one of my mentors, Andre Taylor, who is out in New York City. And for a long time, he is the guy who keeps me in it, who keeps me grounded in, uh-uh, let me tell you something about business. It is the grind. It is one at a time. And it's understanding that if you can get one, you can get 10. If you can get 10, you can get 100. You can get 100, you get 1,000. But there's a glitz and glamour, but then there's real work behind this. And stay grounded in knowing that you created something and one person bought it, there's something there. Right. But if you pay attention to the glitz, you're going to be very disappointed and you won't do the next project. Yeah. What I'll say on that one, a riff is that um, your first real sale now, real meaning like not your mom. Right. And, and not, you know, not that one dude that you gave 10 bucks one time that owes you something. But that first person that buys it, that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that relationship. That's the hardest sale. But that's the one that matters the most because you can make that sale. You can make a bunch of others. Amen. All righty. <laughs> um, 
So, what's the most unanticipated challenge that you're facing right now? Unanticipated. Um, the most unanticipated challenge is the difference in posture, holy cow, between a side hustler who has a paycheck coming in, right? Because you, I was pretending like I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I got an Intel paycheck coming in. I don't got to worry about it. Oh, when there's no more paycheck, man, let me tell you something. That whole thing of learning about how cash flow and you can be you can be business rich, but like cash poor, you know, oh, the business is coming. We need the money now. So that that's probably the most unanticipated thing, man. Like there's a difference in posture. It's not a sit back posture. It's a lean in posture, man. Uh, and, and there's this thing about you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do to keep playing. And it may not always look like what your plan was, but you got to do what you got to do to keep playing and keep moving that 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 mission forward. Yeah. If you before something like this, if you didn't wake up hungry before that point, like once you once you don't have that check coming in, you learn to wake up hungry because those days you slip are the days that like you pay for later on. You know what I mean? Right. Like DMX would say ribs are touching, man. You know, you're hungry. Ribs are touching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. So. If people could only remember one thing about you or this particular episode, what would you want them to take away from the from this episode? Man, it just always has to be the philosophy, run the point. Take action from where you are with what you have. That's it. Everything else we can we can work from there, but and, and I don't want to riff too much on it. Riff but I will. <laughs> As I say, because take action means research. It means call someone. It means everything is action, but you got to take action. You got to take action. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't want action to be, uh, pull out my psych uh, degree here, operationally defined, you know, by one thing. Well, this is what action looks like. No, action is jumping on the internet and doing research. Action is finding a person that you can talk to and get a better understanding of your next steps. All that is action. So uh, meditation, taking a time out is action. But be, you know, do it on purpose. Fantastic. Well, since we're talking so much about action and meaningful action, you know, I don't need to add much on that one. So, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to, to share your body of work and just some of the some of the lessons from the trail. Um, super proud of what you're doing. Again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Charlie. All right, for your creative giants listening, we've talked a lot about taking action and just really leaning into it. So take one idea, take something that matters to you and think, what can I do to move that forward and do it? Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.